Well, good morning, everyone. So, 50 days of prayer. On the back of that, we're also going to run a series in the morning and the evening about prayer. The question that I'm starting with this series is, why pray? And I wonder how you might answer that question. What do you think is the point or the reason that we pray? Have a real quick quick think about that. Why pray? Sometimes the thing that sounds the easiest is actually the hardest. Would you agree? Sometimes the thing that sounds the easiest is actually the hardest. It sounds really easy to pray. We all know that we should pray. There are countless books you can buy at this point in time that teach you how to pray. There are countless resources and techniques and guides and aids and apps that are designed to help you with your prayer. There's there's a room at the back that is literally jam-packed with enough information to help you to pray constantly if you wanted to for the next 50 days and beyond. But listen to what Sam Storm says. The easiest thing about prayer is quitting. Giving up seems so reasonable, so easy to justify, It's always been that way, which is why Paul wrote in Colossians 4-2, continue steadfastly in prayer. It can be difficult to pray if we're honest. And let's be honest this morning. It can be difficult to pray because sometimes we can get bored. Sometimes we can get distracted. Sometimes we daydream instead of pray. Sometimes we snooze instead of pray. Sometimes you have some of the best ideas that you've come up with during that moment you sit down to Pray, or you remember some piece of important information as soon as you sit down to pray. Or sometimes we just feel guilted into praying. Sometimes we don't feel like praying. Sometimes, if we're really honest, we don't feel like praying because life events, difficult life events, just knock the prayer right out of us. And not everyone wants to be that honest this morning, but I think it's helpful to be honest this morning and say that we all struggle to pray. The enemy doesn't want us to admit that. The enemy wants you to think that you're the only person in the entire church this morning that finds it hard to pray, or finds it difficult to pray, or struggles to pray. He wants you to believe that you don't have a very good prayer life, or you couldn't pray like that person prays, so it would be best if you just didn't show up. It'd be best if you just didn't sign up. It'd be best if you just stayed silent. But let's admit that we all struggle to pray. We all do compare ourselves with other people at prayer. I point to prayer warriors, and I think, oh, I could never pray like that. But prayer warriors, people that are really good at praying, people that can stand up and not break into a cold sweat and pray out loud in public, they also start it with nervous prayers, with timid prayers, with stumbling prayers, I am sure. And what if prayer isn't about how we compare ourselves to how other people pray, but what if prayer is about a relationship with God? What if that is what prayer is? That's why I want to answer the question this morning, why pray like this? We pray because we want intimacy with God. We pray because it is a relationship with God. There are so many ways I could have started this sermon today, but I really, really feel that God is saying prayer is about intimacy first and foremost it's not the only thing like there are times we get to bring our prayer requests and lean in to God and pray for certain things but I I think this intimacy thing is really 
important. And, and this is the thing that God has been challenging me with the most about my prayer life. I don't know if your prayer life is a little bit like my prayer life sometimes. Sometimes my prayer life is a little like you go with your shopping list with just this long list of stuff that you need or you want. You know, know those types of prayers? It's kind of like a transaction. And that transactional relationship doesn't really work because a transactional relationship does not bring about intimacy. It's based on what I get from God. The goods that I want are the prayer requests that I bring. And the deal is, I pray God answers in happy transaction. And I guess that's how a lot of us might pray. And if we pray that that way, if we pray with that transactional relationship mindset, then all we see God as, or all we use God as, is like how Paul Tripp describes him, this defined fending machine in the sky that we go along and we pop in our coin or our token or our prayer and out comes the blessing, where God just exists to meet our every need. But what if your greatest need, what if my greatest need, what if everyone's greatest need, whether you're a Christian or not, is to have a closer, more intimate relationship with God? What if it is to know God more deeply? What if prayer isn't primarily about what you receive, but it is about a relationship? What if I was to tell you this morning that if you pray, the only thing you're going to get is intimacy with God? Would you still keep praying? Would that be enough if you only get intimacy with God? Pete Gregg in his book, Dirty Glory, says this. Our Father in heaven longs for us to seek out his presence in the holy of holies without an agenda, not out of duty. He wants us to seek him out simply because we are happier in his presence than anywhere else. As I thought about intimacy, I thought about Moses and the intimacy that he had with God. We see that particularly in Exodus chapter 33. So let me read chapter 33 or a few verses of chapter 33 to you now. Starting at verse 7 of Exodus 33. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meetings and set it up some distance from the camp. As he went into the tent the pillar of the cloud or the presence of God. So when it talks about pillar of cloud, it means the, pres the actual presence of God would come down and hover at its entrance where the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of their tent, they would stand and they would bow in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meetings, the Lord would speak to Moses, get this, face to face as one speaks to a friend. I love that. I love that friendship, relational, speaking to God like he is a friend, face to face. Verse 34, when he came out, this is when Moses came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. His face was radiant. I love that. I love that as Moses met with God, it was evident to others. As Moses meets with God, it's evident to others. Not in a show-off type way, but in a way that when you actually lean into, press into, pursue, desire, spend time with God, it changes you. Not just a little, like it changes you when you spend time with God. And I want that. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for that intimacy with God. 
J. Oswald Sanders has this quote that says, we are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. The first time I read that, I thought, I don't think that's right. I'm not sure that I agree with that because I don't get to decide. I don't get to choose how close I get to God. But the more I think about it, the more I reflected on it, the more I agree with it. Like if you were to neglect any of the spiritual disciplines, prayer being one, fasting being another, worship being, if you were to neglect any of the spiritual disciplines, you would forfeit intimacy with God. If you're too busy to pray, then you forfeit intimacy with God. And that doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but it just means that if your life is too you-centered, then you forfeit intimacy with God. In fact, if your life with any relationship is purely you-centered, then you neglect intimacy with anyone else. Any other relationship suffers. If you neglect a relationship, intimacy suffers. Like, you can still be in a relationship, but it might be cold, it might be dry, it might be shallow because the spark or the passion or the intimacy has gone. Listen to what Horsfall says. Like a couple who drift apart because they never have quality time together, many of us are in danger of drifting away from the lover of our souls. We have no time to talk, no opportunity to enjoy God. Moses has this beautiful intimacy with God. And I guess as I think about Moses, because that's 3,500 years ago, or thereabouts, as we think about 3,500 years ago, I guess the temptation is to say that, well, clearly life wasn't as busy back then. It wasn't as jam-packed as what our life is. Like back then there was no school runs. Everyone doing school runs back then. There wasn't some new series on Netflix that they were all going to. There wasn't some new Avengers movie out that every single person in the world has gone to see in this last week. They, they, they weren't busy back then. Moses is busy. Like, I mean, he is super busy. Moses is busy leading the first ever portable megachurch across the desert, like in the history of portable megachurches. Like, this is a congregation of somewhere between 1.5 and 3 million people. That's busy. That's stressful. That's opinionated. That gives me migraines even imagining what it would be like to pastor that church. Moses is busy. And while the first thing we should be doing is going to God to pray, I think the temptation in it would be, I'm just too busy. I'm just too stressed. Have you seen my schedule this week? Too busy to pray. I'm sure you're like me. We all want intimacy. We all long for that intimacy with God. But I guess our brains or our schedule or our frustrations or our we don't have enough time just cries out for, how do we get this intimacy with God, but how do we get it in a quick way? What's the fastest way we can possibly get this intimacy with God? So Google search, give me Google six steps, easy steps, give me six easy steps for a busy pastor to gain intimacy with God. Let's check out some results of that. What about you go to the local, let's go old school and just go to actual physical bookstore. Let's go to our local bookstore, local Christian bookstore, and let's ask for the book that says, Moses, simple devotions to make your face glow. 
Some easy steps. I'd like some easy steps because I'm busy. Some quick, easy steps. Or what about a place we can go and we can buy our intimacy with God tent of meeting starter kit? Because that would be nice. Just go and buy a starter kit and let's start doing this intimacy God. But not one of those tents with poles and instructions. Let's just get one of those tents that just opens up, pop, and there it is. One of those quick pop-up tents where we can get immediate results for intimacy with God. What is the fastest way, minimum effort way that we can get intimacy with God? Because we are busy people. Well, what of intimacy with God that we're talking about in Moses here when we're in chapter 33 and we're in the tent? What if it didn't start there? What if it started years earlier? Now, if you come back to church tonight, I'm going to look at chapter 4 of Exodus. I'm going to look at a little bit of Moses' life in a little more detail. But if you had to take Moses' life and really quickly chop it up into categories, you would end up with, well, I split it into four easy categories or four easy blocks that we can remember. You have a river stage, you have a palace stage, you have a wilderness stage, and you have a tent stage. Those are the four blocks I would take Moses' life as. So baby Moses, block number one, is put into a basket or onto the river. He is hidden in order to spare his life. That's not a high point. That isn't a high point. Moses growing up in the palace. Well, that is a high point. He goes from the basket to the opulence of a palace. What about then after 40 years when things go horribly wrong? Because after Moses and after these 40 years, things do go horribly wrong. He's ended up having to go into the wilderness. And he goes in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a low point from opulence to obscurity. And here's the thing. In the life of Moses, I want the tent. I want the tent. I want that intimacy. I want the chapter 33 stuff. I don't necessarily want the chapter 2 stuff. I don't necessarily want the river stuff. The palace stuff, that, that could be pretty interesting and it could be pretty nice. But I don't want the wilderness. Like, I don't want 40 years of wilderness before I'm ready for the tent. Christine Cain says, before God promotes you publicly, he prepares you privately. Moses spends 80 years in private. 40 years in a palace, we don't get to hear lots about his life. 40 years in a wilderness, we don't get to hear lots about that. 80 years in private before God promotes him. And we'll see tonight in chapter 4 how God promotes him to lead him in one of the most famous of Old Testament mission trips. So what if intimacy isn't about the destination of the tent, but is the journey towards the tent? Does that make sense? What if it started in the river? What if it's a lifelong journey? What if it's about the highs and the lows of life? Why pray? Because we want intimacy with God. You are at this moment as close to God as you really choose to be. Why pray? Well, maybe we need to stop making excuses. Maybe I have to stop making excuses. Maybe we've neglected our relationship with God. Maybe we've neglected our prayer life. We've neglected that relationship with God. You know that God, like the father in the prodigal son story, is ready to run towards you, ready to embrace you, ready to welcome you home. You know that? Maybe we actually need to 
carve some time into our busy schedules. We always find time for the things that we love and cherish. We always make time for some things that we love and we cherish. But what if we were to stop making excuses and what if we were actually to carve some time out and actually pray? And his new book, Pete, Pete Gregg, says this. There's a new book called How to Pray. It says this. Even when you don't really want to pray, a place of prayer can often make it easier. Merely by showing up, you make a declaration of intent. You say, in effect, Lord, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. By showing up, I am making myself available, and these are often times when God meets me most powerfully. After decades of night and day prayer, I have come to believe that 99% of it is just showing up, making the effort to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present to us. The Father simply wants you to stop, to be still, to breathe, to sit in and to enjoy his presence. He longs for you to know him more deeper and more intimately. Prayer is about spending time with God. Moses prayed in a tent. If you want to pray in a tent, pray in a tent. But as if I've researched and read books on prayer, one of the things that keeps coming up, one of the techniques that keeps coming up again and again is to find a place or a space or a chair where you pray. And that becomes your regular place, space, or chair where you pray. And I guess the question is, where is your chair? Again, let's end with what Pete Gregg says in his book. Where is your chair? He says, for my wife, it is a daily dog walk and weekly appointments with God in a particular coffee shop. For a teacher in our church, it's her classroom where she shows up half an hour early each day to pray quietly over every single desk. For a student who recently came to know Jesus, it's in her car. Wherever you find your chair, try to visit it daily. Let it become your thin place, a sacred place that helps you to walk and talk with God through the many twists and turns of life. Why pray? Because we want intimacy with God. Let's pray. Father God, our prayer this morning is really simple. We want intimacy with you. We want to know you more. To know you more and more and more. I pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit, you will place that desire in our heart because we are people who will spend infinite amounts of time, an infinite amount of energy, an infinite amount of our money pursuing temporal things. But when it comes to you, when it comes to our relationship with you, when it comes to pray, God, we're not as keen as we should be. We're not as committed as we should be. So I pray, God, you'll just place this desire in our hearts for intimacy with and God, thank you that that is ours. Thank you that because of Jesus, we can have that close relationship. We can come boldly into your presence. What a joy, what a privilege. And may that joy, may that privilege of your presence just trump everything else in our life. And we ask these things in your name, for your glory. And everyone said, amen.